Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals. All thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Sporting Goss. With Tim Gossage. Morning, everyone. It's 20 degrees, heading for a top of 25. Wouldn't be dead for quids, would you? 28 tomorrow, sunny. The rain around Wednesday. Thanks for your company. The team is in place. Chris Clafunas, Special K. He's the producer to the stars, including this show, Sporting Goss and Gillian Goss. He'll be joining me in the studio shortly. And, of course, pushing the buttons is Alex, who's a mad cats man. He's still up and about after Friday night's win by the Caddies to stay alive. And, of course, we are back on Friday night, Geelong take on Melbourne. Well, so much to digest, so little time over the next two hours. We do have a lot to get through. Chris Clafuna's special. Okay, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you, mate? You're really, really good. I know there's stuff happening. Oh, just don't, is give there? Away, don't give away too much at the moment. I'm just putting it out on Twitter. I'm going to put this out on Twitter. I'm going to tag in our show, of course. Okay, great. The Lockie Neal back to Fremantle Docker story has been floating around the grounds for a little while, as Matthew Pavlich mentioned this morning. But who was the first to air the rumour or the chat about this possibility? Make sure you're listening to Sporting Goss this morning. You may be surprised. And oh. may I just say, now, when I saw the story last night, and rightfully so, mm-hmm. Ryan Daniels from Channel 7 went hard. Backed himself in hard. Yeah, it was huge. And he did a lot of, he he, 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 well, he didn't have to do that much digging because a bit of the information had been aired somewhere else we're now being told reliably informed mm. on community radio. Right. On Saturday. Saturday? Saturday. That's early. We are going to track down this said audio and there has been a queue of critics for the person who floated this as though he doesn't have his finger on the pulse and people queue up and give him a whackety whack 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 mm. But when we find this audio, we're going to give this little fella, yeah. who's a part of the said situation here at this radio station, and this radio network, a bit of kudos. Bit of a pump up. You better hurry up and find the audio. I'll find it. I'll, I'll track it down. Anyway. Ryan Daniels will join us. Ryan Daniels is going to join momentarily, us. He's though. across the story. He's going to give us everything he knows. And this is not to put it down on him, but it's more. Not at all. It's a, he, he took the story and ran with it last night on, on Hardcore News and did well. Has got the whole footy world buzzing. But I just want to clarify that one bloke who's been smacked from pillar to post for some of the stuff that he has delivered, mm. I can assure you, if the audio that we've heard that we think is correct, in fact, well, have, we, have we got it? Has it logged in? It's logged in. <laughs> oh, Radio. I work very quickly. <laughs> very good by me. All righty. <laughs> so let me just push that. Bang. Radio. 
So, Ryan Daniels, who's a damn good footy journo, and I think pound for pound the best breaking footy journo in the country. I agree. And if not here in Perth. Okay. Have a listen to Saturday morning, community radio, Sport FM. I'm going to give him the, the, the pump up down there. Sport yep. FM, community radio station. This is the conversation that was had Saturday morning. That's early. Peter Sumich, West Coast Eagles great, had this to say. Have a listen. Now, I'll, I'll just throw one at you. I'm hearing a whisper that Lockie Neal's wife's pregnant. She's a WA girl and she wants to come home. So there you go, mm. boys. If that's true and and he's looking to come home, would he go back to Fremantle or would he go to West Coast? So interesting call. His girlfriend's pregnant. She's a WA girl and she wants to come home. That's what I'm hearing. Well, the only bit he got wrong there was it's his wife, not his girlfriend. So there it is. Summer. Saturday morning. Community radio. Speculated. This is what he said. Have a listen. I'll, I'll just throw one at you. I'm hearing a whisper that Lockie Neal's wife's pregnant. She's a WA girl and she wants to come home. So there you go, Ooh. boys. If that's true and and he's looking to come home, would he go back to Fremantle or would he go to West Coast? So interesting call. His girlfriend's pregnant. She's a WA girl and she wants to come home. That's what I'm hearing. Well, he was hearing correct because that story picked up momentum over the weekend in particular and was aired on 7 News last night by Ryan Daniels, who has, as I have said, I'll say it publicly, is the best newsbreaker in the business, in particular in this town, but more so around the country. I think there's not too much that doesn't get past uh, his uh, his uh, frontline reporting. He is an outstanding reporter. But there it is there. That was Peter Sumich Saturday morning on community radio mentioning Lockie Neal and his girlfriend, his partner. He said girlfriend, but it's certainly his wife, Jules, wanting to get back. But Ryan Daniels... He went hard on the Seven News, of course, and we played it on Gillian Goss and we paid him his dues and he's been uh, across this story in particular probably for some time, but aired it last night. It was a breaking story and it's a story that everyone is talking about. Rhino, appreciate your time. Well done on breaking that story last night on Seven News, but we're just giving Peter Sumich some credit because, of course, community radio on Saturday morning, he threw it out there as well. Good get. Yeah, thanks, Goss. Yeah, I, I hadn't heard that from Summer, but, um, yeah, I mean, that's... It was sort of scuttling around a mm. little bit in the community, I think, for about a week. And uh, it's one of those ones, mate, you you would know better than most. <laughs> you hear some stuff sometimes that's ridiculous um, and you think, well, that's not going to happen. But then there's this little part in your brain which goes, well, I should probably check just in case. And <laughs> I, the one that actually, the one that comes to mind is always with Haggers and Sam Mitchell going to West Coast. And when we all heard it, we all thought, Haggers has lost the plot. There's no way that's happening. <laughs> um, and, since, and since then, it's changed my approach. And I've gone, okay, well, I've just got to ask. Um, and as, you know, the, the more phone calls were made, the more firm it got. And then I was sort of sitting for a few days waiting to see what happened with the Brisbane Lions. Obviously, they had a game mm. to play, and I didn't want to sort of go too early and upset the apple cart too much. Um, and I sort of sat on it and nervously. And again, you would know what that's like, just sitting there waiting for the right time and... Um, <laughs> It was a shocking one. It's a stressful time. People think that journos enjoy this 
um, you know, it's not all bad, but it is, it's actually a lot of stress and strain um, when you're trying to do something like this and get it right and do it right by all parties as well. Yeah, well, no, well, absolutely. Well, you're, you're number one, first and foremost, your job is not to worry about Brisbane Lions, Fremantle, Lockie Neal or yeah. his wife. Your job is, your job. You, you paid good coin by Channel 7 to do this job and you do it so bloody well. And this is a very, very, very big story. Um, you confident? Yes, very confident, yeah. Look, uh, look, I'm not sure um, how the next couple of days will play out. Obviously, Brisbane were blindsided by this. so And I knew that would be the case. Um, so they're obviously rallying now, trying to figure out how they can handle this and what's going to happen. They're going to release a statement later today. I would assume that statement would read something like, Lockie Neal is a contracted player, yada, yada, mm. uh, which we hear all the time, and that's their right. They'll stick their... Um, they're sort of spade in the sand and say, right, if you want him, you're going to have to pay for him. And that's how this works. He is contracted. Uh, But no, I'm very confident. Um, It it, it was from the word go, oh, probably from about 24 hours in, this is going back about five days, I was 100% ready to roll. Um, It was just about, you know, getting the timing right, I think. But But how can Brisbane have been blindsided? Seriously. I mean, as you mentioned, yeah, been bubbling along. Pav came on. This morning, he said it's been bubbling around footy circles for a while. Mm. I mean, do they just do they were they turning a blind eye to it? Were there was their focus simply on the game? Surely they would be. I mean, blindside is is one thing, but it, 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 you you've gone with it, and that's credit to you. You've gone with it hard. You backed yourself yep. in. You're across it for four or five days, and that's a credit to you as a journo. And and mate, it is so refreshing to see. And you are a young man still, a young man who's. <laughs> got the proverbials to stick them on the line and go with it, and you're not often wrong. How can they not have got wind of this? I find that staggering. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess you're right. I mean, I, as I said, I, I knew that they didn't really know in a concrete way. I, there's look, there's every chance that one or two people at the club, maybe that Lockie's close with, maybe he'd mentioned something. Um, but in terms of like the hierarchy, the coaching stuff, I mean, as you say, these guys were preparing for a final, uh, and they were hoping, I suppose that. You know they would be preparing for hopefully a grand final. Like they, you know, they, they weren't willing for their season to end and ready for their season to end. So the last thing they're probably worried about is you know draft and trades and free agency and that sort of stuff. So um, look, the public line that they're going with is that they're blindsided. There may have been a couple of people at the club who might have had a, a hint um, that it was going to occur. Um, but yeah, look, I, I feel for them in some way because you know you, you're still probably picking up the pieces of a loss on Saturday night and this happened. Um, but as I said, look, I you know I tried to wait until they had sort of played out their season and, and had sure. that game, and um, I couldn't really wait any longer. That's not really how this works, as you know. No, and Sunday night is a big viewing night uh, in particular for uh, for well, every night's a big night for Channel Seven, but I think Sunday night also has a, a massive audience. Can I just uh, this is yeah. now now have you spoken to Lockie Neal? No, I haven't. No, not directly. No. Um, look, I've I've had a relationship with Lockie Neal in the past. Obviously, he was a Perth guy for a long time. Like most of the players based here, um, we speak to them a lot, don't we? I mean, we, we just interact with them at random yep. functions and press conferences and things. And Lockie's a great fella. I I didn't want to complicate it by by contacting Lockie directly. I just think that sometimes, particularly when he's got a final to play for um, and all of those things going on, I, I didn't want to overstep the mark. And sometimes, I mean, I keep saying this, but you know, Goss, when you've got phone numbers and things in your phone, you don't always want to use them and you, there's, there's not always a right time to use them. And I haven't spoken to Lockie directly, um, but, I, but I do think that um, 
put it this way. I don't think he was surprised, put it that way. All righty. Uh, so I've spoken to the Eagles this morning. They've categorically said, don't worry about us. We're not, in, we're not involved yeah. in any of this. He's coming. If he comes back to WA, it won't be at West Coast. So we can lay that one to yep. anyone who's speculating about that. And there have been people saying, oh, West Coast might be in the mix. So it's Fremantle or mm-hmm. bust. If you were, yeah. and, and there's no doubt, you're dead right. Uh, Brisbane will come out today and say he's a required player. Fremantle, has, um, has anyone from Fremantle commented on this, whether there's any depth to this story? Fremantle have been very, very quiet, as you can imagine. Um, Peter <laughs> Bell, he, he operates in the background. He, he does his best work um, quietly. Um, and we've seen that in the past with Belly. Uh, and the team there, Wolsey. So, look, they're obviously sitting back and just waiting for this to play out. You mentioned West Coast. They're definitely no chance. And, and some people have said, well, how can Fremantle afford it? You've got to remember they had, look, 750 a year sitting there waiting for Adam Scherer. Yeah. Um, now, Lockie's deal, my understanding is that his initial deal with Brisbane, that five-year contract, was front-ended. So the, the bulk of the money... Um, has gone in those first two to three years, so he would be on about seven to seven fifty now, which fits into that spot quite nicely. So mm. effectively, if Chera had stayed, it's sort of one of those sort of sliding doors things. It, it really wouldn't have been possible for Lockie to get back to Fremantle, um, but in this case, it, things have opened, and that's just how the system works. You know, one one piece moves, and then there's another space for someone else to fit into, um, and that's that's where Fremantle are going to make the play. Last one for you then. Do you think Lockie Neal will be playing for Fremantle next year? Don't worry about the ifs, buts, wheres, whys, whatevers, what ifs. Just tell me what your heart is telling you. Oh, yes, yeah. And it's not my heart, it's my head. Head, oh, sorry, head. I'll go I'm with sure head. Of it. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah I'm man. sure of it. No, he'll, he'll be there. <laughs> no, he'll, he'll be at... Um, Yep, he'll be at Fremantle. Um, he'll be playing there. Obviously, a lot wow. of uh, water to go under the bridge with the trade, but um, no, he'll be at Fremantle next year. Good get, it was really good viewing. It was well promoted, top of the news. You did it well. You delivered it with a plum. Congratulations, good get, nice work. Uh, we're sharing the love around to our man Summer as well for speculating on Saturday yes. morning. But you nailed it with your coverage last night. Well played, you. Beauty, thanks, boss, and yeah, well done to Summer too. Yeah, good on you. Ryan Daniels from 7 News. This is how Ryan broke the news on Lockie Neal's report last night on 7. Have a listen. Brownlow medalist Lockie Neal is weighing up his playing future and looks set to request a trade from the Brisbane Lions back to the Fremantle Dockers. 7 News understands Neal and his wife Jules are keen to move back to WA to raise their young family. As we know, COVID boarded restrictions haven't made life easy away from family. The Dockers and Neil's management could not be reached for comment today. That was Ryan Daniels on 7 News last night, and we appreciate Rhino coming on. And he's across the story, and he says, Fremantle fans, take it to the bank. Lockie Neal will be playing for Fremantle next year. But as he said there at the end... We've got to give some juice to Peter Sumich. He said this on Community Radio Saturday morning. Now, I'll, I'll just throw one at you. I'm hearing a whisper that Lockie Neal's wife's pregnant. She's a WA girl and she wants to come home. So there you go, mm. boys. If that's true and and he's looking to come home, would he go back to Fremantle or would he go to West Coast? So interesting call. His girlfriend's pregnant. She's a WA girl and she wants to come home. That's what I'm hearing. Welcome back. It is 22 past 10 on this glorious day, 21 degrees. Mick Collis is a big part of Sporting Goss. He was here at Optus. So was I watching the Wallabies take on the All Blacks. He was commentating on the game and 
Well, Mick, it was as flat as a proverbial Carter's hat. <laughs> it was. Shh. Oh, it's very hard to get enthusiastic. Yeah, it was a nice day, though, Goss, wasn't oh, it? <laughs> great crowd. I love the Harker. Good crowd, yeah. 55,000. Yeah. Well behaved. Yeah. No, good mix. Good. Kiwis good. are up and about. Because I got here about two hours early, and, and out here it was, was packed. Party two, time, Two hours yeah. before. And, yeah. And when I got in, like all the bars... Everyone just flocked in, and it looked it's a great atmosphere. It was, yeah, a, great. It was a, you didn't need to be a rugby fan to enjoy no, it because it was correct. it was an event. And, yeah, I totally uh, agree with that. And the Harker, and I spoke to um, Matty Hodgson pre-game. I did a couple of events here. Matty Hodgson and Jeremy Thrush. We talked about doing the Harker and being on the other end of the Harker, and what's that like? And to actually see it, um, I think we just love it. I think as Australians, oh, we love it, and you can yeah. hear the silence in the crowd, yeah, it, and you can hear the slapping <laughs> of the, the. I mean, it's hardcore, isn't it? Yeah, it's a great bit of theatre. Oh. For the game, love and, it. and people people just enjoy watching that part of it. And again, you don't need to be a rugby fan mm. to enjoy watching them do the harker. And as mm. you said, you can hear and like it's just pin drop silent, oh. which in a sporting crowd yeah. is, is unbelievable. There's but no disrespect, to not, it. not at all. And you could hear the slapping. Or we spoke to a guy called Andrew Mertens, who was a, a number ten, played seventy odd tests for the uh, All Blacks, and he said he, he never used to like it because it used to hurt him when he'd slap his legs. <laughs> Jeremy Thrush, who played 11 times for the All Blacks, now plays for the Fours, Big Thrushy. He said to me yesterday, I said, how did you go? And he goes, well, you know, six foot seven white guy. I just stand at the back and try and just make sure my left arm went and the left arm went. And I said, and you sort of watch all the, you watch the guys in front of you. You just, you know what they're going to do next. He said, you're brought up on it, but when you actually have to do it, yeah. you have to deliver it properly. You've yeah, got to be absolutely. in tune as well. Yeah, and it's great. You look at some of the old vision sort of, because it's only really been that that tight performance over the last say 20 years mm. and you go back before then and it's it's woeful like there's just <laughs> these blokes no one's got any idea what they're doing just they said the white guys looking at each other just putting their arms up in the air but but once they decided they're going to do it and now like, yeah. you know, obviously they rehearse it and it's um and it's great and, and they always say that from the the opposition they always try to pick out the the skittiest weakest yeah. guy. and andrew merton said he was the one that always <laughs> yeah. everyone used to look at him and now they do and it's funny the way they've um yes they've faced it in different times yes. like the the French at the World Cup, they did a V and walked right up to them. There was one year where John Eels decided that they would just ignore it because they thought that was such an advantage for the All Blacks. So Eels said he was going to take his team away and they were just going to keep warming up. And the All Blacks put about 50 points on them after that. So they thought that's not the right way to do it. <laughs> and on the weekend, it was interesting, they did what they're now calling the boomerang. Mm. So it's not a it's not a V. It's got little curled ends yeah, on the V. So it's it. like an Indigenous kind of response to it. So okay. It was um, it was great. And they've done away with the throat cutting and the and the and the charging at them at the end. They've yeah, so they so they've got two. The one they did yesterday was the was kamate, which is the traditional one, and then they've got the other one, which is the the sort of the throat slitting one, mm. which is uh, which is a, a slightly more aggressive one, I suppose. Yeah, so, um, as ever. Yeah, so they went to the traditional one yesterday, and uh, and look, I, I and look, the crowd love it. The uh, crowd if, love it. If anyone was uh, here yesterday, thirteen twelve fifty five or zero four eight seven seven three six seven three six, just for the Harker, I recorded it and sent it out on socials. I just, uh, I love it, and that, as you said, that pin drop, that pin drop, and you can hear just the echo go around. It's a beautiful stadium for acoustics mm. from the ground um, up around and swirled around. A, I really loved it, and that's when the uh, highlights for the day yeah. um, dissipated very quickly. <laughs> they shot. were. Fl- I'll be serious. I'll go back to my initial comment. They were flat. Yeah. I can't believe they've been here for three weeks, pumped up for it, yeah. got something to play for, don't want to get beaten three nil, and we're eighteen nil down at a half time. And I'm going, what? Is that the best we've got? Yeah, like we mentioned yesterday in the call. I I think not not individually, but I think as a group, I think they're a bit mentally soft. 
and they scored like, and we talked about, you know, momentum shifts in a game. So they, the Wallabies scored early, sort of three minutes in, but it was disallowed. And then... Um, they crossed twice. Didn't and they? then you had another try disallowed. And and that kind of took the wind out. And they're saying if those scores had have counted, that would have been a complete change. But the only thing that would have changed is the scoreboard. So so in terms of what they've got to do physically and mentally, that, that shouldn't change. But people are saying, oh, because they didn't get that, that's kind of what. But I think, well, that, that shouldn't make a difference. So mm. I just think... They're, they're they're a bit mentally soft and it looked like their heads heads dropped a few times and, and a couple of missed tackles and and you just think that yeah like they were flat and I, I I think a lot of it was mental yesterday I don't I don't know what you've got to do to when you've on the, been on the hiding of the, they've been on over the last couple of weeks and you've got a bit of time for redemption in in front of a crowd here and with a, on a nice day and they can't lift for that I there's some problems going on fifty five thousand people too mate yeah yeah on a glorious day I know. World sports looking at you. Yeah. The rugby community is looking at you. And I even started that. that the number 10 when you had a shot for goal. I know. What's going on there? Basically in front and, and cooked it. Is so, he a kicker normally? Yeah. Yeah. Who was that? Nah, Noah Lolosio is his name. Okay. Well, and probably – and I don't think he's up to it. He's um, he's a young guy. and But we've got – you know, the only other options we've got, you've got Quade Cooper who's 33 – and hasn't been in Test rugby for four years, and James Why O'Connor. Why are we like this? What's happened? We just haven't. We've we've pinned our hopes on too many young guys and ignored the rest. And so other guys they go overseas. Um, I just think the development of the game is is no good in Australia. We've we've kind of ignored that grassroots, and, and there's some good players running in club level. But if you're not, and these stupid academies that they've got, if you're not in this academy system as a, you know, sixteen, seventeen year old. You get ignored, and everyone develops at different times. So you've got guys that are playing club rugby that might be, you know, twenty two, twenty three, been around for a while, but because they haven't been through this system, they just parachute these young guys from the, you know, the under twenties or the under nineteen national teams in into the system, and and they ignore the guys that have got that little bit of grunt and that bit of experience and that hardness that these young guys don't get. Because and you know, they, they've got a squad of forty players out here, so twenty three can play each day. So you've got seventeen guys, professional rugby players. Not playing rugby. They haven't played since Super Rugby. So it's just the system's broken. I know I'm an outsider looking in. Mick Collis is in the studio. We're talking about the Wallabies. We've got to get news away at 10.30, but we are going to come back and chat more about this. Um, I know names and names and names. From an outsider looking in, I knew James Slipper. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew Karevi. Karevi, yep. And I know Hooper. The other blokes could stand up in my porridge tomorrow yeah, and I wouldn't would know, know who they were. Yeah. But that's not what the Wallabies were to me. I no. remember watching the Wallabies and I knew nearly everyone. There might be the odd one coming, oh, I haven't heard of him. Where does he come from? But I knew 12 or 14 and I'm not even a rugby head. Hmm. Do rugby people know who these cats are? No. And, and James Slipper's played over 100 test matches, so you'd hope you'd know him. Yep. Hooper's played over 100 test yep. matches, you'd hope you'd know him. Yep. And Karevi, um, he's been around, he'd been in Japan and he – Went and played at the Olympics in the sevens as a comeback, but you, you, you're dead right. Like I could name the back line, and I wasn't a back. Mm. I could blame the back line from the 1991 World mm. Cup. I could name the back line from the 99 World Cup. But there's there's so much chopping and changing that you're right. That stability that we used to have in Australian rugby that people could identify with these players. Like I'm a fan, and I can see I saw some of the guys walking around, and I didn't know who they were. No. Didn't know who they were. No. More on that in a moment. If you came to the rugby yesterday, what was your highlight for you? 0487 736 736 or 131255. And if you're a Kiwi and you're an All Black fan, New Zealand fan, let us know. 
what you thought of yesterday. We'll get a breakaway. We've got news. It is coming up half past 10. Well, you're taught to do exactly what he's done there. Bring his knee up, but it's the kick out here that they'd be having a look at. Not particularly necessary, but could be also deemed accidental. I'll have a close look at this. Yeah, look, for mine, it's 100% accidental. It's still dangerous contact to the head. He's up there. He gets the drives and knee up. And it is that kick out in front. Oh, well, I was going to say, I think it's going to lead to a yellow. And justifiably, but wow. But there's a big but through the rugby championship. We can have a replacement after 20 minutes. Andrew Mertens, I can see he's simmering away here on my right. You can park it. We won't see Geordie Barrett again, the opening try scorer, Drew, but we will have a replacement after 20. So that was Geordie Barrett getting a red card. But a red card is a red card, then there's a red card, which is a red card. So they've, they've just changed. It's a new thing they've brought in this year. And for I think they brought in for Super Rugby now for this rugby championship. That normally in rugby, if you got a red card, you were gone for the game. Yep. Couldn't be replaced. Yep. So you basically had to play a man down, which is what we saw with the All Blacks here last, or in 2019 yep. when Scott Barrett got sent off. What they've done now, if you get the red card, you're off for 20 minutes. You can't come back on, but you can be replaced. So there's only you, so the team's so he's only done. Down. He, as soon as he got his, he's down. He's so gone. You play a player short for the twenty minutes. Yep. But he has to. He doesn't he's come gone. back on. Yep. He can't come back on. And I noticed when he went off, he sat on the sidelines. I would have imagined you get a red card, you go straight down into the dugout. I sit down and watch. Is that right? Yeah. Anyway, um, and did you think it was warranted? No. No, me neither. But the, but the rule, look, the, the rule is, it looked a lot worse than I think. There was no intention there. No, no intention at all. But the rule is, it's if if there's contact with the head, yeah, it's a red card. Yeah, okay. And that was it's black and white. He was very rule. apologetic, wasn't he? Straight yeah, away, he, no, went, down, he it, went, oh no, sorry, there mate. There's no intent whatsoever. Yeah. But that's that's the rule, and everyone just accepted it. Okay. Mick Collis is here. Having uh, we've just come out of our news break, and we are into our McCafe coffee. Don't forget, try the new blend. It's coffee fit for an Aussie. All righty, so now they up stumps and they go to Brisbane because so they all hub down for the rugby champion, the Etoro Championship, which is that was our first home game for that championship as well as the Bledisloe Cup. Yep. Uh, who go? Who is over there? In who's going to be over there in Queensland? So the f- the four teams are Australia, New Zealand, Argentina, and South Africa. And we're not going to beat any of those, are we? No chance. Well, we've got our, our next. So the All Blacks surprisingly are only the number two ranked team in the world. Who's number one? South Africa. So okay. now we go to South. We've just been beaten three times convincingly yep. by the number two team in the world. Now, because our confidence is so high, we're going to go and play the number one <laughs> team in the world. So we've got two tests against South Africa, okay. which is I don't think is going to be pretty. No. And then we've got Argentina thrown to the mix. So Argentina's one rank below us. But I think by the time we get to Argentina, we're going to be so mentally destroyed mm. that I I think we might maybe get one of those games out of the two. Who is to blame? Who is to blame on the back of what you said prior to the news about the lack of development, the players that we don't know, who gets parachuted in, their confidence being shot. They were woeful yesterday. There was all the reasons to play well yesterday. You're going to tell me they probably won't beat Argentina. Who is to blame? I think it's been the administration of the game for a long time. Has They've, they've just put too much – like, you know, you, you think about your triangle with your wide base and your pointy top. So you've got to have that good base to get to the pointy top. Australian rugby spun it around and they put – all of their money into the pointy end and they've neglected everything else. So it's it's only been a matter of time where just the, the base is just crumbling and they're just desperately trying to salvage this pointy end. So, look, and, and, you know, we talk about... Is this an administration that is no longer there? Uh, some, it's, it's almost clear. It's almost clear mm. of some of the people that have been there. So, so the people who decided, I don't want to dig up old words, but the people who decided the force shouldn't be around. Yeah, they've, they've gone. Um, uh, a whole range of other foot issues inside the, inside the sport. Uh, Raylene Castle, was she one? Yep, so she, well, she's gone. Um, she good for the sport? 
I, th- I think she was hard done by. So she she took over from Bill Pulver, who was here when the fours yep. went. So Raylene inherited a basket case. Yep. And I think she was hardly done by because what she was given was just a, a complete mess. Yep. So I, okay. I think given her a bit of time. What's she doing now, do we know? I think she's the head of sport in New Zealand. She's gone back to New Zealand. So she's got a, a good gig over there. But just, I mean, yeah, look, so there's the development. And sport's and, flying in New Zealand. Rugby is. Well, cricket's good. Oh, cricket's Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. They did well at the Olympics, considering they're only a little minnow. It's just us. It's just us. And and because we've got... stinking that you And rugby in New Zealand, they've got, they've got your test rugby, your super rugby, and then they've got the ITM Cup, which is their the third tier. Yep. And and we don't have a third tier over here. No. So you've got guys play test matches or super rugby, but super rugby ended, I don't know what, eight weeks ago or more? Mm. And so these guys... They're not playing rugby. They've got they've got nothing to do. Some and, of them, and we're some playing, playing some Samoan league or some Pacific Islander league. So, so next year, Super Rugby has gone from a ten team comp to a twelve team. So five Australian teams, five New Zealand teams, uh, Pacifica team, and a Fijian team. So but aren't we playing in some other comp before that? The Force? No, well that that's that's the comp. This Super Rugby Pacifica is. It's oh, okay. Now. So it's all it's on, and and When it, does and that start? Not till February. That won't start till February. So what are they doing in the meantime, these cats? Nothing. I drive past them all the time, and they're out there training these blokes. And what are they training for, Mick? That's what we need to have this this third tier where these guys are still playing this, rugby. This is. But they're not, and they're all on good ridiculous. coin. Of course they are. And they're not. They're just not playing rugby. They've got no rugby to play. So it's just it's just a disaster. And that's why these guys, a lot of them, well, I mean, you're on a holiday. For, for the thing, but when you get caught in, you haven't played. A, you're not match fixed. You haven't played for three months, and then they throw you into a test match against the number one country in the world. What do you think's going to happen? And that even wasn't New Zealand's best team, was it? No. So they left three of their best behind in Aaron Smith, Namawanga, and uh, Sam Whitelock. So that's three gone. Twenty minutes in the first half, they lost Artie Sevilla, the captain, yeah. and Cody Taylor. Is that number two? The, the world's best was... hooker, number two. He was he he was off his feet. Staggering around, he came off. He came to the end. I watched him. Yep. He came to the side. He then went on. He tripped over as he was running back out to play again. He was in Gaga land for about ten minutes. Yeah. So he came off, and the wow. captain came off, and then Geordie Barrett came off. So basically, six half of their best team was unavailable for sixty minutes of that game. Did TJ Pereira? Perinara. Perinara. Yep. Sorry. Was he the bloke? He played here against the Force in a game that I was the MC for yeah, about yep. two so, months ago. Yep, would have been yeah. So for whatever, whatever, turned whatever. Out. Bay of Plenty. Uh, was it Bay, was of, Bay Plenty? of Plenty? I'm not sure if he would have been part of that, but he's he's been he's played 70, 72 tests and he's coming off the bench a seventy two test Jeez. veteran and he's probably their third string because you Aaron Smith was away and then you've got Brad Weber who started and then and Perinara. so they've just got this embarrassment of riches mm. that we just we don't have the depth and if we lose one guy well then we think oh what do we do now. So it's a, it's a, it's just a mess, and it, I I don't know how, you know we've got. The, it's sad, isn't it? Because it we love sad. our Wallabies, and they used to be they used to be Australia's favourite. Yeah. Winter team. Yeah. National winter 100% team. Hundred percent. And I've got mates like you who who are WA born and bred that love the Wallabies, yep. and now like you couldn't name it. I think our our probably favourite winter team is the Matilda. So we've got a women's soccer team. Correct. Is now more popular than the 100% Wallabies. Hundred percent, they are. Hundred percent, they are. And you know how did that happen? On yeah. who's watched that happen? Yeah, exactly. But because, and because. Ninety percent of those players in our Matildas don't even play in a domestic competition. Yeah, correct. And a domestic competition, no one watches. Correct. At least we get crowds. I mean, we get bigger crowds at our uh, Super Rugby games yep. than they do in in South Africa. Oh, and, and, s- and on the East Coast and, as well. You know what I mean? So oh, I, I'm staggered by all of this, and, and I'm and I'm saddened because I do think the Wallabies are a part of our f- sporting fabric. Um, and you know, I know we go back in the old days, but we go back to 
to Campisi and Liner and and John Eels and and um, George Gregg and yeah. stuff. I mean, my, I stand corrected on this, but my mail is that George Gregan doesn't talk about the Wallabies because he doesn't know who he doesn't know much about them as much as he used to. Because they because for whatever you've said to me is that turnover is so great that he's, he he can't get a handle on what's going on. Wouldn't surprise me, yeah. So his, so his attitude is, well, I don't want to comment on these books because I don't know enough about them. Yeah, and it's a shame you've got someone like him, who was Australia's most capped test captain, Yeah, not interested in the game. Incredible. And, you know, you've got the all and, – and the problem we've got is a lot of guys from Australia. There's about 100 rugby players from Australia playing overseas at the moment because they're chasing the coin, and, and it's getting like the soccer here. It's like the IPL. It's yes, like the IPL, the where, IPL. They, where they're prioritising making money over there rather than coming back and playing – you know, domestic competition and all. Yeah, and so the New Zealand, wow. the New Zealand Super Rugby players are on their their money that they get for playing Super Rugby New Zealand is, is comparable to what the Australians get, mm. and there are very few Kiwis playing overseas because they all play in New Zealand. They want to play for the All Blacks. Whereas for us, we've got this broken system where we ignore these guys that are good players, so they go overseas when, and they become very good over there because we've ignored them here. And then, and then you've got more that want to go. So we're thinking, oh, we've got to pick players from overseas for the Wallabies. So if that door opens, all these other guys are going to go and chase coin and we'll just, it'll be like the soccer where you just pull them back for test matches. But then that's going to really disenfranchise people for Super Rugby because our teams are bad now. If we lose more players, that competition will just go to custard. And we'll, we, I think we won three out of 25 last year. We're not, it'll be zero from 25. Well, we've officially killed off Rugby Union here. And I'm glad Mick came in and I didn't have to do it. Oh, well, got... positive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, there are some green shoots, but they need a lot of watering. Yeah. <laughs> hey, thanks for coming in. No, my pleasure, Goss. Oh, I love it when Mick comes in and we will, uh, we'll have you again shortly. I'm all upset now. You know, go, yeah, I know. Go, How's go, the book? I'm all depressed. That's good. So I got a copy, Australia's Toughest Sports People. Got, yeah. got one of those on Father's Day, which was good. <laughs> Did they sign, get it signed? No, they didn't sign. I had to go and get it myself. I had a, there was one sitting around, so I said, oh, is this for me, boys? So I said, oh, you can have that. I gave one to my old man, so it's uh, so there's two. But no, it's going all right. Publishers rang and they said they're happy with the sales, so it's, um, yeah, it's w- good. Was it's, it good for Father's Day? Do I, they, can, I, they, can they see whether there's a spike or they can get some Yeah, well, they said it had, it had built, it had been pretty. So there's a book by, Mad Jack Dawes got a book out at the moment and it's outsold his. So I thought, oh, that's pretty good. Oh, so, so hello. Were, so they were happy a little with that. drive by on the yeah, way through. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> So that was good. But, yeah, they, they're happy with it. So, um, yeah. The name was, of the book is and where do they get it? So it's Australia's Toughest Sports People. It's yep. 12 athletes who epitomise the grit, determination and courage of Australian sport. Available at, wherever you buy books. Dimmicks, Collins, Big W, Target, Kmart, all the bookshops. 7 8 away from 11. Thanks for dropping by. No worries, Goss. Nick Collins talking all things rugby. The Wallabies hang in there. They'll bounce back. <laughs> this is Sporting Goss. 21 degrees in this beautiful city we call Perth. Wherever you're listening to our show, thank you. Down there in the southwest, hope you are enjoying your Monday morning at 12 away from 11. Well, we were about to do a sports update or a welcome from you earlier mm. in the show. but Things went a little bit chaos. Yeah, and Ryan Daniels stole my thunder. Ryan Daniels and the Peter Sumich stuff as well. So uh, for people wanting to know how we opened the show, we just wanted to give Peter Sumich some credit as well. Um, in fact, he's ringing me right now. There he is. <laughs> right there, Sumer. See, he doesn't even know I've got a show on. That's how we're connecting. And Come Ryan on, Daniels, fella. of course. And thanks to Mick Collis too for coming in. We, gee, we depressed Mick on the way out. <laughs> he was he was down, wasn't he? He came in to talk all things rugby and left. Defeated at the state of Australian rugby, <laughs> yeah. as I think a lot of people are whenever you delve into it for more than 
30 seconds? Yeah, it is. It is. And and again, I I think we all love the Wallabies, but they've become, I hate to say it, the most over-publicised, unsuccessful team going around. Yeah, it's really disappointing. It's but sad. the actual product, you know, what we saw here yesterday was remarkable. Rugby Australia do a remarkable job promoting it. Oh, yeah. Everyone come in. I mean, the Kiwis love it because they get to see their All Blacks team. And hats off to the stadium yesterday to transform the stadium in from the Friday night fixture, that beautiful weather for yesterday to do it, and they put on another great show. Absolutely brilliant. So well done to everyone involved. Mm. You've got a bit of a sports update for us, have you? Yeah, a few bits and pieces of news going around the world of sport that we haven't managed to get to this morning yet. A World Cup qualifier between Argentina and Brazil mm. it was abandoned. It's all this. Farcical, confused scenes, yeah. they called them. Cray cray. Four Premier League players <laughs> apparently violated Brazilian what? regulations. Don't use the word violated. I always worry when people use the word violated when it comes to sport. Uh, Brazilian regulations were, what's the other, what's another breached. word for it? Breached. Let's go with breached. Breached a good word. Designed to contain a COVID outbreak that has killed more than 580,000 Brazilians. COVID. Um, yeah, it hasn't been handled particularly well over there. The Aston Villa goalkeeper, Emmy Martinez, Tottenham's Christian Romero and Giovanni Lo Celso were all on the pitch at Sao Paulo's uh, stadium yesterday when federal police and officials from Brazil's health agency took to the field to halt play wow. after just seven minutes. So they'd kicked off and everything. Yeah, yeah. And Where was Lionel when all this was going on? Lionel? Lionel. Oh, Lionel. Lionel. He was, was there. there, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He was the peacemaker, wasn't he? He was hanging out. And so what happened guys. was the Argies all left. Yeah. And the Brazilians all stayed. And the Brazilians put on an exhibition game. Yeah. For the people, a few, few people. fans that, that were rocked up. Yeah. Was there many people in the crowd? I couldn't see many. I'm not sure if it was. Ticket prices might have been a bit too high. Either too high or behind <laughs> closed doors because of COVID or not. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll double check that. Please do. Uh, but the three players, and plus uh, Aston Villa's Emiliano Buendia, who was in the stands, mm. had reportedly somehow sidestepped Brazilian rules, stating that travellers who have been in the UK, South Africa, or India during the previous fourteen days are forbidden from entering the country. How could unless how they're would, Brazilian citizens or have permanent seriously, residency? Seriously. So these blokes are coming, predominantly from the UK. Everyone knows they've played there, whatever recently. Yeah. Hanging out with the team, seven minutes into a match. Hold on. Let's call this so off. the whole build-up, no one said anything about you You won't be playing, you shouldn't be here. Yeah, hang on. Didn't I see you suiting up for Aston Villa last weekend? That is ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous, as they say in the classics. Yeah. Go ahead. What else you got? Chaotic scenes. Uh, so we'll find out a bit more about the crowd there as well. Well, don't have to worry. Just, mate, okay. it's one line, mate. Just write it on the screen. No crowd. Good point. Pato, do your work. England, 290 and 77 for none. They Pato need... tells me they were there for three days before. <laughs> 291 <laughs> more runs to beat India. So a fair bit going on in that game. So is there? Is there between England and <laughs> India? England, um, they do need a bit more uh, to do. They've got a bit to do, I should say. It'll be a draw or India win. That that's, looks that's the like the most way. likely result. Yeah, Joe a, Root's going to have to do something. It'd be a pretty extraordinary result if England did manage to yeah. uh, come back and get those 291 runs. Yeah. So, so we'll you, are you this. making comment on the cricket and the football, or are you just providing? The no, I'm just providing news. the sports update. I'm not making any comment. <laughs> just uh, who cares what I have to say? Really, we do care. <laughs> Genuinely. My mum cares. I told you this. Why I've got you in the studio doing more on-air stuff. I don't think you're talented, but I think I'd like to develop you for when I'm on leave 
You can stand to If there is talent there, then maybe you can find no, it. No, you are a, you a are tiny bit a of an absolute gun, and I've been, <laughs> I'm thrilled that you're here today. Patrick Cantlay delivered the goods again. Yeah, what about that? Yeah, he putted in. How much did he win? A nice little winner. So it was uh, 20 million Australian, I think. What? Pretty well, handy. That's ludicrous. Again. Held off John Rahm. Johnny. And, uh, yeah, allowed him to win the FedEx Cup earlier this morning. You know there's twins, Rasmus Hoygaard. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think he's Dutch. Sure, Rasmus Hoygaard has won three times in the European Tour and won two won two weeks ago. And then there's the twin brother, and they said, "Oh, yeah, they're coming through together." Nikolai, his brother, fallen off the face of the earth. <laughs> no one's ever heard of him. As, never doesn't make any cuts. Guess what? Nikolai won the Italian Open overnight. Hey, there Rasmus, he is. Rasmus, who finished in the top twenty, was walking the fairways with him. He did his best not to win it. He beat Tommy Fleetwood uh, in the end. Yeah. Um, and. It, remarkable that everyone's been for weeks and months. People are going, What happened to the twin brother, Nikolai? What happened to him? It's all about the Rasmus, 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 Rasmus won three times. It's going to be the next big thing. Yeah. Where's his twin? 19, 19. 19. Where's Jeez. his 19 year old brother? His 19 year old brother won on the European tour. It's a beautiful story. How old's Rasmus? Well, they're twins. <laughs> you, oh, you I was doing a bit of a pav. Oh, three, uh, lucky Neil deal. Yeah. <laughs> three years older than he was when he went to the Brisbane Lions. Um, and Roy reckons that the hot boys would get a spot in the Wallabies team. <laughs> That's a very good point. Yeah, at the moment. Reckon we would. All the red cards you're racking up. Yeah. Uh, oh, get so get that, physical. Not, I would be proud of that. <laughs> How does he? He doesn't have half. Yeah, I know. Hang on, hang <laughs> the on, mate. on the button on. bar. Mate, you've got button bars goss. for the Gillian Goss. You've got a button bar for Sporting Goss, and all of a sudden you're transferring the Gillian Goss button bar for sound effects onto the Sporting Goss sound effects. I oh, know. <laughs> and the Hot Boys makes the cut. Yeah. Incredible. I don't reckon the Geelong no. team song would be. I'd be, be very it's, surprised. It's, it's definitely not on the button bar for Sporting Goss, because if it is. It would have been played right, there <laughs> ten times already. <laughs> exactly. Uh, thanks for coming in. You're welcome. It's five away from 11. This is Sporting Goss. Coming up to news time. Don't forget, Kia news today. Thanks to the wonderful team, the Jones boys, Bunbury Kia. Great people, amazing cars, and they are. They are on top of their game down there. The Jones boys, Kia. Bailey Rogers after 11 o'clock from the Claremont Football Club. Andrew Ferguson is heading back to college basketball after being having a big weekend. And we talk tennis with Brett Phillips thanks to B Solar. Don't go anywhere. Another hour to go. Sporting Goss. Welcome back to Sporting Goss on this stunning Monday. Heading for the top of 25 degrees. 28 tomorrow. It's a beautiful uh, day yesterday. Bailey Rogers joins us from the Claremont Football Club, one of the form players in the competition. In fact, I want to quote his teammate, Jai Bolton, who's a dual Sandover medalist. He says he's in awe of his teammate, Bailey Rogers, labelling him the best player currently in the competition. That's high praise, uh, Bailey. Congratulations on your current form and thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me, Tim. Yeah, it is. Um, kind words kind words by Jai. Um, I think he might be a bit harsh on himself. He's not a bad player um, <laughs> himself, isn't he? Uh, he's a very good footballer, gets a lot of the footy. But you've been finding a lot of it, mate, uh, qu- quite incredibly. I mean, I think you're averaging 30 touches a game over the last six weeks and also hitting, hitting the scoreboard as well. Uh, you've always been a good player. Do you feel like you're getting better and you are in the best form of your career? Uh, definitely, yeah. I'm probably, definitely playing the best footy I've played in my career. Um, and it's probably thanks to a move to the midfield 
um, this year, um, and I had a little taste of it last year. But um, yeah, this year, full blown midfielder, floating forward to get on the scoreboard, which has been good fun. Hitting the scoreboard is one thing. Finding the ball 30 times is the other. What's your priority? Uh, whatever the team needs, Goff. Uh, I'll, I'll start in the midfield, uh, rotate forward. Um, I'll play as a third tall uh, when I go down there. I just need to play my role and um, do, the, do the team things, chase, tackle, you know, and get on the scoreboard if it happens. Last time you played South Fremantle, and that's who you're playing this week. The last time you played South Fremantle, the margins at quarter time was two points, then two points, then one point, and then again, one point. It was a stirring affair, a close affair. Um, that was almost a, a little bit of a forerunner to finals footy, and you probably kicked yourself out of it. 9-13 to South Fremantle's 11-2. Yeah, it was a great game, that one. It- like that most weeks um, when we play uh, South Fremantle, they're they're a great side, and we always have a great competition with them. Um, yeah, and finals footy is going to be no different this week. I'd say it'll be the same, um, close game, uh, which will be great for fans who come out to Freo Oval. You won the inside fifty count. I think you, um, uh, I, I think you had more of the footy as well than than the South Fremantle. They, you, you, I think you got the rub of the green with the umpires and the like. What went wrong on that day? What went wrong? Nine thirteen sixty seven to eleven two sixty eight against South Fremantle. If you were to reassess it, it probably was one of your quiet games personally on that day. Did they do a job on you? Uh, no job on me. Uh, yes. My my bus didn't get there till half time. Um, <laughs> I was very very quiet in the first half, but it was managed, managed to get my hands on the ball and get on the scoreboard in the second half. But I think as a team we um, we did, we only played really a quarter of good footy, and that was in the third quarter when we kicked. I think it was five goals to one. Um, but we knew Swan Districts uh, had a few big outs, but that wasn't going to change how hard they came at us. Um, they had. Uh, players replacing those uh, very good players who were uh, dog hungry um, mm. and they were going to fight till the end. Yeah, very much so. We're, we're chatting with Bailey Rogers from the Claremont Football Club. They take on South Fremantle first week of the finals at Fremantle Community Bank coming off that performance against Swan, uh, Swan Districts. Um, just the other day, of course, uh, finals, it's been an interesting season. Subi sit there now at the top of the ladder but they're not in form. They're not in great form. West Perth, we know whatever they can do on any given day, they can give it a shake. We know Swans can do the same when challenged. We know your best is good enough. We know South Fremantle's, the premiership is well concealed. Do you agree? It's wide open, isn't it? Um, I think, yeah, as you said, um, anyone in the top five, uh, the premiership can be theirs on on any given day. So, um, yeah, you just have to rock up on the day. It's 22 v 22, and I think... um, Whichever, obviously, whichever team performs on the day can get it done, and I, I believe any any five of the teams can win the premiership this year. I know you're going to get asked this, and you are still at a good age to get inside an AFL system. Do you have any aspirations for that? Are you just going to tell me just one game at a time, you just play, and if anything comes along, it's a bonus? <laughs> but as a 24-year-old, and you, you're going to be in the mix for the Sandover, whether you like it or not, and that certainly does all of a sudden open up doors. You've got big-bodied midfielder who hits the scoreboard. There's a lot to like about your footy, mate. You, you, do you have any aspirations, or do you do you think there is any chance you can go to the next level? Oh, it's definitely a dream. Um, it has been for the last 
five or six years missing out on I think it's five drafts now, but um, yeah, there's all, I'm always holding out on a little bit of hope. As you said, I'm 24. It slips away every year, but um, there's blokes who have done it in the past, so mm. I'll hold on to that and um, dream on. Well, okay. So when when you say you've missed out on those drafts, give us the, the emotion when you think you're a chance. I mean, how many clubs would you have spoken to over the, over the journey? Oh, recently, in the last few years, not many, to be honest, but um, I feel like my football's has been good enough, but um, yeah, it's just the way that, that um, the draft is, how uh, footy is. But yeah, initially when I was 18, it, it hurt a bit and um, took a bit to get over, but um, Claremont's an unbelievable place to play football, so I'm pretty happy there. Yeah. Have you sought counsel from anyone who's been through the system similar to you? I mean, I know this is going to sound really cliched, but uh, Matt Prittis would be a good person to speak to. He would. He would. Um, no, I haven't. Um, I think um, even just being around Jai, and uh, he's he's been a bit older and missed out. But um, I'm coming up to that that age when he's um, he was playing some pretty good footy and was very stiff to miss out on the, the draft four or five years ago. So um, I've got a, a good one in him to be around at the moment. Yeah, very very true. Alrighty, mate. So what 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 can what can win it? I know you're pretty heartbroken as a team when you lost by that one point to South Fremantle a couple of weeks ago. What what changes for you guys in this game? What do you need to do better to beat South Fremantle and to, to set yourself up to taking on Subi? Uh, move the ball a lot better. Last time we played, we played into South's hands um, a fair bit, kicking long down the line. They've got some really good marking um, backs and also forwards. So um, we've got to move the ball around, um, switch the play, go fast up through the middle and get it in deep inside 15, let our forwards do the work and um, yeah, uh, pressure forwards to lock it in there. They'll they'll chase and tackle all day. So I think yeah, just ball movement and um, not playing into South Randall's hands. You got a few other players uh, keen to get back into that lineup as well. But continued great form. Jai Bolton was in form on the weekend. Ryan Lim, I know your co-captain Jared Hardest. He's also a bit of a ball. I think he'll thrive on the finals footy atmosphere that will take place this weekend. Appreciate your time. Continued success, mate. And let's hope this finals campaign is uh, just a forerunner to bigger things to come for you and also the Claremont Football Club. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me. Bailey Rogers, he was fresh off 30 touches on the weekend, a couple of goals, and have a look at his form. There is no more player in form in the WAFL competition, and I reckon his teammate, Jai Bolton, is spot on. He is the best player in the competition right now. I've seen a fair bit of this young man, and I can't believe he can't get onto an AFL list. Big body, big bull, likes it tough, finds the footy, and can hit the scoreboard. This is Sporting Girls. Tearing up the cotton field, yeah. up the heat. Here we come. Oh, no. Here we come, oh no, here we come, yeah, the Perth Wildcats are on the prowl, watch out, 16 past 11, yeah, the Perth Wildcats are on the prowl, as the new owners of the Perth Wildcats, the sports entertainment group, do you think we, yeah, 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 do you think uh, the, who, who own us, who own the caddies, do you think at some stage we will make that the anthem again and get rid of... Stand together, West Australia, which I still love. It's good. Nah, it's good, but this is the best. Yeah. I'd be very, very disappointed if we didn't bring this back but in a greater capacity. But do you reckon we can get Bryce Cotton singing it? And yeah, the maybe time for a bit of a... Get Vic Law involved. Yeah, Vic Law. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah, the Wildcats are on the prowl. 
Watch out if you're in the way. Listen to the music. Hey, listen to the music. Why can you not be singing this? That's all. Hard to beat this, to be fair. Very, very uh, ambitious if you wanted to cover this because it's pretty close to perfection. Oh, the Fair of the Wildcats rap. What, 94 or whenever it was? Yeah, it was even before that. Earlier? Have to have been earlier. 92? 90? That's a good question. Thanks. Ding! Wildcats won 92, 94. Uh, sorry, Eagles. Eagles, Eagles on 92, I don't think they sang that song. <laughs> what do you got for me? Because there's a, a new name has joined the Perth. Wow, Cats. Yeah, well, maybe Kyle Do you like how I do Zunich? that? Like can, so yes, I did that when I was reading. Cool. You know, you know oh, I was going to say, I've got an anniversary coming up this on the 11th. Yeah. My last day, shall I? And I used to go, wow, Cats. That's cool. Ah, oh, I think it's pretty very cool. Hey? Not yeah. bad, hey? It's very George Tanikian. You know how George Tanikian used to do all the SBS names and all the little yeah. quirky notes? Yeah, it's like, that's that's, yeah, it's, that that's your, your take on it with the first Wildcats. <laughs> uh, no, it is cool. I, I do like it whenever you do that. They've added depth and youth to their extended roster. Kyle Zunich. He's going to be a development player for the next two I seasons. Zunich. See, I initially went with Zunich. Yeah. And someone from the club said it was pronounced differently? No. Because someone at the club said, I've been saying Zunich, but I'll have to double check. Yeah. Well, so if, we'll find if, out. Well, my attitude is if you've got an itch, why scratch it? Mm, so if it's Zunich, we'll go with Zunich. Yeah. But if they want it Zunich. Yeah. I'm on the Zunich train. But let's Zunich. let's go with Zunich. I, I'm going to go with itch. Okay. So, so anyway, hey. Are there any Zuniches listening to us? Okay. <laughs> Kyle, if you're listening. Or any Zunich, anyone related to the Zuniches, uh, get in touch with us. Or if you're a Zunich, uh, get in touch with us. Zero, uh, no, 13, 12, 55, because we actually need to hear it said. That's true. Okay. 13, 12, 55. Um, 13, 12, 55. Is it Zunich or Zunich? I think it's itch. Yeah, I'm with you. But it's spelt Z-U-N-I-C. Correct. Tell me a bit about the Zunster. Versatile combo guard. Recently played his senior year at Winthrop University in the United States, helping take the Division One school to the NCAA tournament wow. for the first time since 2017. So 22 years old, coming to the Perth Wildcats. Good stuff. Uh, next season. Yeah, very good stuff. Exciting. There is, uh, you know, I said development player, but uh, there's big ups around this kid. They reckon he could, you know, really push for a... Uh, Potentially even a starting berth at the Wildcats. They're, really? They're, they're pretty Is hyped. that good? They're pretty hyped about him. We'll so, see. So Cotton Out. Cotton Out, Zunich in. That's what I'm saying. You heard it here first. Andrew Ferguson's going to join us after 11 o'clock. In fact, might just before 11.30, should I say. Uh, hello. Um, got a lot of people who are texting. Scotty Willis says, morning, guys. Doing a great job. No, you're talking b-ball at the moment. Trying to find out... Corporate options for the Waffle Grand Final to support our local conference, Subian. Information is not easy. Can you enlighten me? Scotty, I'll do my best. We will find out what we can uh, from the WAFL and, of course, the stadium here at um, uh, Optus. And, Tim, another text in. Tim, do you think GWS is prepared to offload Cornelia and pay half his salary? Have you heard anything? I haven't heard anything about his salary, but I have heard there is speculation, but speculation only in regards to the future of that young man, Stephen Kinnear. Quality young man, quality young person, and we wish him well, whether it be at GWS, or I still think he's got some legs, or, of course, he has got, I think he's got five years or six years left of a current deal. He signed some they signed some really weird deals there with Josh Kelly and him. But anyway, good luck to young Cogs, and uh, wherever he goes, he's going to be a good person to have around the football club. So a lot of speculation has been on Lockie Neal. 
And if he does go, and we spoke to Ryan Daniels at the top of the show, he's absolutely adamant it will be at, he will be at Fremantle next year. And we also heard that Peter Sumich mentioned this on Saturday morning on Community Radio, and, some, and we've heard it, and we've played it, and we confirmed it. So there's a bit a lot been going on. Sam Edmund, of course, our man, SEN's main sportsman, our main footy man, was on Gary and Tim this morning, and they this morning, and they spoke a lot about Lockie Neal, about the the, the detail about. Who, where, why, how, cards falling, draft picks, trading. Sam tries to put it in a nutshell. Have a listen. But, gee, I'll tell you what, if Lockie Neal's departure from Fremantle came as a surprise, his potential return to the Dockers is a major shock. Just a huge story from uh, Channel 7's Ryan Daniels out west that Neil could be looking to break his contract for what would be the second time in four years, mind you, mm. and request a trade back to the Dockers. Now, I heard you play Danny Daly earlier on trade, uh, on radio, uh, Tab Radio, rather, saying that a statement was due out from the Brisbane Lions by it this afternoon, but that it was all news to them. So, to recap, it's Neil and his wife Jules. They're pregnant with the couple's first child. It's a daughter due over summer, and it is said to be a lifestyle decision. So, he left Fremantle with a year to go on his contract at the end of 2018, now, the deal to Brisbane saw the Lions give up pick 6, 19, and 55. They gave up a lot. They got Neil and pick 30 back. It was a five-year contract worth around $800,000 a season at the Lions. So he's got two more years to run there at a club where he's won a Brownlow and the past two best and fairest. So what happens from here? Uh, this could make for an incredibly fascinating three-way trade, obviously, involving Carlton, Fremantle, and Brisbane. The Blues want Chera. They have pick six. Could that happen? And then Frio perhaps even give up six in their existing pick eight to the Lions, which is a lot, but they get Neil and perhaps the Lions pick 14 back the other way. So that would effectively mean the Dockers have given up Chera and eight for Neil and 14. And then you've got the other side of it. How do the Lions actually approach it? That's going to dictate a lot of it, isn't it, Tim, given that They've uh, they've got – will they absorb the loss? Could they move Zach Bailey, for example, in the midfield? Cam Rayner comes back from injury and take the picks to the draft? Or do they get dangerous in the trade period mm-hmm. now and look to strike given they're in the flag window and they need to fill the, the nil void? Uh, Gary, do you reckon this pulls on the emotional heartstrings of the Brisbane Lions? Because if you request a trade back and it's for family reasons, okay, which we think this is all about. His wife comes from Perth. They're about to have a yep. child. COVID, obviously, has interrupted everyone's lives. You can't travel in a state, whatever. How much, as a football club CEO, you're Greg Swan sitting there right now. How hard do you go with this? In my humble opinion, this is over. He's gone. It won't, no, hang on. Sorry, sorry. If, as is reported, he wants to go home, then he will be going home. That's the way I read it. And there's enough instances. When's da- the last Dane, Beams is, Dane Beams is the example. Dane Beams wanted yeah. a trade. He went there and then he wanted out again. Quite yeah. simple. Yeah. For personal reasons. I, I think they were quite happy to see that be facilitated, though, in the end. But you may when's, be. When's but the it? motivation was the same, wasn't it? In the sense that it was a family reason that Dane Beams wanted to be traded. Yeah, more, ex- more, more extreme. More extreme. Yeah, yeah. more extreme. But, uh, so when is the last time? How hard club- do you play, though? This is the point you know, from the CEO's yeah. perspective. Like, okay, yeah, we, we, we get it. You want to go home and your wife's. Yeah, you know, wants to be close to a family, that type of thing. But hang on a minute. You know, like we gave a lot up to get you. Yeah. You're a great player. You're an important player. You're part of the building block of what we think will be maybe potentially a premiership in the next couple of years. Mate, we don't want to give up on you. That's right. You're all those things while you're in a good frame of mind. You're all those things. You're the building blocks for our premiership. You're a great player. You're a great influence around our club. Ryder, why you want to be here. When someone makes their mind up and says, I'm heading back, for whatever reason, family reasons, then this is just my take. I yeah. might be 100% yeah, no, no, wrong. But yeah. history tells yeah. me that that just gets done. Yeah. 
and they acquiesce and they say, okay, yes, we'll let you. But on the other side, we want to. We gave up a lot to get you. We want a lot back in return yep. because we actually believe you're a better player now than what you were when you left Fremantle. So Greg Swan won't comment. Tim Lawrence, Lockie Neal's manager, won't comment. The Fremantle Dockers won't comment. So we can only speculate from here. But that statement due out later on this afternoon, according to Danny Daly, the GM of football. So Luke Parker's management, Gary, have struggled to find a rival bidder to use as leverage in their dealings with the salary cap tight swans. Is this their avenue? Like we've said, Parker's chasing a four-year deal worth around $700,000 a season, which the Swans haven't been able to meet. So whether Luke Parker's even keen on a move to Brisbane, we don't know. Tom Mitchell's the other one, open to a trade out of Hawthorne. The Hawks are keen on keeping both Mitchell and Gunston unless an offer that's simply too good to refuse comes their way. Now, that appeared highly unlikely, perhaps until now. So do they get involved in a deal with the, the Brisbane Lions if Brisbane look to bring an established star midfielder back into the club? So that was Sam Edmund this morning with Gary and Tim finishing on the Luke Parker situation. Now, Sam Edmund has tweeted 13 minutes ago, Brisbane have contacted and scheduled a meeting with Lockie Neal for this afternoon, CEO Greg Swan, coach Chris Fagan, and the GM of football, Danny Daly, to sit down with the star midfielder. How much is the player willing to say at this point? Lions will release a statement shortly. And it will be as uh, Ryan Daniels mentioned earlier on in the show, that he's a required player, but uh, we'll do our best to work with him in the future. 26 past 11. This is Sporting Goss on this Monday. It's 22.4 degrees. I cannot wait to get out there and, I don't know, get the rig out and just get some get some, get some, some vitamin D. Yeah, I'm going to get the rig out. Yeah, no worries. Scare the neighbours. Anyway, uh, there you go. Hey, Ash Barty lost to Shelby Rogers, as we know, 5-2 after leading 5-2 in the third set. We heard a lot from Shelby Rogers this morning. Is Ash Barty after her loss to the American? It's pretty slow and dead out there um, on, on Ash at night. It was my first experience kind of playing playing at night there, and it does make a pretty dramatic difference. And credit to Shelby, she she was able to adjust to those conditions a lot quicker than I did. And I I played a pretty awful first set in a sense where I was erratic. I couldn't quite find the rhythm of how I wanted to play, but I found a way back into the match and I found a way to turn the match back in my favour and to be to have two opportunities to serve it out and be within a couple of points is, is disappointing not to get it done. But, um, you know, I was able to find a way to, to adapt to those conditions, which, which is a good thing. Uh, we weren't just able to quite get the result uh, tonight. Yeah, Ash Barty, always upbeat and positive. I think she's just out of tickets. I think she's been on the road since February. It's been a remarkable effort by her. Daniel Ricciardo didn't have the best of Grand Prix. Of course, he finished 11th overnight. Max Verstappen in front of his home crowd, but Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas. Ricardo finishing in 11th after a tardy start. Here is Ricardo. Not much to say. It was unfortunately not, not our strongest weekend. Um, so off track was a lot of fun on, on track. Certainly a little difficult, but uh, that's the beauty of having a race next weekend. We have another chance. I think Monza, you know, you never want to get too excited, but obviously last year the team, the team did phenomenal uh, at that track and looking forward to it. Uh, it's a good, uh, a good track, good fun. Overtaking is a little, a little easier as well, so we'll hopefully uh, have some battles. But as always, thanks a lot for the support, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, keep kicking. Keep charging. All right, see everyone. Daniel Ricciardo speaking after his disappointment of 11th placing as well. 
Just a small one before we go to the break. Dylan Alcott picked up gold, of course, in the tennis. He is a bona fide star. We love his passion. He's got vigour. He's got anger. But he knows how to get the victory. And here he is after winning gold in the tennis at the Paralympics, Dylan Alcott. Um, I'm not coming back to the Paralympics ever again. So um, I just uh, I love the Paralympic game so much. It means so much to me. When I was 17, I got to go with the rollers and we won gold and it was life-changing. But Paralympic sport in general saved my life. It did. And um, it's, honestly, it, it, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And I owe it so much. And I just took a moment out there to look around because... I just, I just, I just, I'm so thankful and grateful that it came into my life and that I can perform on the big stage and do it with my friends and and change perceptions along the way of what people think about us, people with disabilities, and not just as athletes, you know. Hopefully this is changing perceptions beyond that. Not every person with a disability can be a Paralympian, but they can be a doctor, a lawyer, a mum, a dad, a teacher, an educator, a politician, whatever it is, but they don't often get the opportunities that we've got here to play sport. And that's what we're trying to do. And um, I wear that, uh, it's that mu- it means that much to me. Like, it's huge. And to get it done today was bloody awesome. Well, it was a big weekend for local basketball. Of course, the NBL 1 West Championship was decided. The Perry Lake Hawks, 92-82. They got the job done over Rockingham at Bendat Basketball Stadium. And the good news is that Andrew Ferguson was the star, 18 points, 15 boards. Not a bad way to cap off his year as he heads across and returns to the US for college. Appreciate your time, Fergie. Nice work, mate. That was a very big weekend. Hey, mate. Thank you very much. Yeah, it was, was, was very, uh, very good to do. Been a good year for, for Perry Lakes and... Really, you were, I mean, you were challenged on Saturday, um, but the bottom line is uh, you came out on top. It was a, a really strong performance on the back of what has been a very successful season. Yeah, yeah, no, I think uh, it was a very good way to cap off the season. I think, as you said, it was, uh, it was a great season, honestly, for me, one of the best teams I've played on. So it was very, very feeling to um, cap it off with the chip. Um, but Rockingham pushed us, like, you know, <laughs> Yeah, there's no, no 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 doubt about that. Very much so. Ben Purser, Mitch Clark was dynamic, but you won the uh, grand final MVP on the back of your runner-up in the league MVP. Tell us about your development as a basketballer this year through the NBL One West Championship. Yeah, yeah. So I think probably the biggest thing for me, especially, was um, was obviously doing the development. Um, role with the Wildcats, mm-hmm. which with how the season went and how long it went, was training alongside um, the Wildcats, and then they're actually in the hub when the season kind of started. So it was a pretty big thing for me. It was, it was doing a lot of that kind of development, lots of the training and that. Um, but then being able to get to implement it in the NBA one and really get to play was was so huge for me. And I think as the season went on, just kept kept getting more comfortable in the new system and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I managed to play some, some good basketball in the back end, which, which is always uh, handy. Very much so. so. So in regards to being a development player with the Wildcats for that year, so tell us a bit about your training and, and, and what role, for the listeners who doesn't know, what is the role of a development player and how much time you know, are you on the court? Who are you suiting up against? And what's your, what's your basic plan for the week when you're, when you're a DT player? 
Mm-hmm. Well, I think it changes a little bit. One, as the year goes on, um, but two, just from team to team. But basically, um, you're there, as the name says, to develop. Um, you're not signed on the main roster. There's a few more on the side. So you're there to, to uh, not make up numbers because there's definitely a big development role to it. But, you know, you're there sometimes in trainings. If guys are injured, you'll be in the whole time, and, you know, getting lots of reps. Um, and then, too, like even with games, you know, there's a few few of the guys this year got to step up and play big roles on the team. Um, but then there's other times where, you're, you know, everyone's healthy and you're probably not getting as many reps. So it really it really does change. But you're with the guys. You're doing exactly the same thing. Um, you're doing the lifts in the morning. Then you're doing the full trainings. Um, for me, my biggest tab, uh, tab this year was I wasn't allowed to travel. So I'm going back to college tomorrow, actually. Mm-hmm. That was a big thing for me, which affected the season a fair bit because of the hub and uh, a lot of the games this year obviously played interstate. Mm. Um, But yeah, that's pretty much the gist of it. Yeah, okay. So Luke Travers uh, got his opportunity and we know he had a a stellar season for the Perth Wildcats. So do you you sort of, uh, was Mooney one of your men? Did you have to sort of go shoulder to shoulder and face to face with Mooney at training when he was home? Yeah, yeah. So spent a lot of time, especially early, going against Mooney. Um, also, then Tom Jervis came in, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so I played on the weekend and spent a lot of time going against him. So they were probably the two main ones throughout the season. Yeah, well, did a, you did a good job. Obviously, it obviously helped you develop. Probably got you bigger and stronger. And uh, and and then when you go back and and now you go back to uh, um, Monterey Bay, of course, the California State Monterey Bay Division Two. Uh, is where you're going back to college. So what's the plan for this year for you? Obviously, your coaches have been keeping an eye on you from the state. So you fly back tomorrow. What's the, when do you, when, when's the season start back then? Um, what's the sort of protocols for COVID for you? I mean, what's the next month look like as a mud map for, for you, Fergie? Yeah, so I was pretty lucky. Um, a lot of, I know a lot, of, a lot of coaches probably wouldn't give the leeway, but school actually started two weeks ago. So I've just been still doing it online and try to keep up in that regard. But we'll definitely be a case to hit the ground running, um, try to get back on top of the schoolwork. And then the the trainings and the pre-season all started about a week ago too. So really we'll be hitting the ground running, just trying to get back in back in regards, get back into it all. Um, it's been a year and a half since the team was able to be together because the camp was fully shut down mm-hmm. and there's no training and uh, there's no season last year. So... It'll be, you know, take a little bit to all get together. Um, for me, this next month, it's just about getting back in um, and really starting to reconnect with the guys and really just start to try and help push that culture of, uh, yeah, hopefully winning another another trophy over there. Yeah, well, you're in. Yeah, well, you're in pretty good, damn good form. So you go across in good playing form and, as you say, trophy form and, and a personal uh, season that's uh, one you're going to remember for a long, long time. Aspirations beyond college ball for you? Obviously, NBL would be on your radar and Perth Wildcats? I mean, of course, you'd love to play for the Wildcats, not only because of how successful and how good of a club it is, um, but corrupt. I'm a Perth boy, grew up being a fan, watching them, so, you know, that'd be a real dream for me to... Um, get to do that, but yeah, I just I just want to be a pro basketball player. I want to you know experience that. Hopefully, get to travel a bit more with it. I think the travel and all the experiences for me have been so awesome for my development, both as a player and as a person. 
that's been huge. Um, but yeah, I, I try to keep it pretty simple. I don't try. I'm not someone who sets those big goals. I just try to keep that in the way and just every day improving. So yeah, I'm just focused on having a great, great uh, season in college, and then yeah, come back and. Let the uh, chips fall as they may. Yeah, brilliant stuff. Well, mate, congratulations. Congratulations on your season. Congratulations on the weekend performance, 92-82 for Perry Lakes, of course, against, of course, Rockingham. Commiserations to the old boys in Jervis and High. They were pretty upset, of course, not getting there as well. But you go across there, play well, and all the very best uh, for the season ahead for the Otters. And uh, may we see you back here shortly. And let's hope you're suiting up in red one day and we'll be cheering you on like crazy with the Red Army. Thanks for joining us. Thanks very much. Fingers crossed. Yeah, good on you. Andrew Ferguson, 18 points, 15 boards. He really did have a stellar season in the NBL West 1 competition, NBL 1 West Championship. They beat Rockingham 92-82 at Bendak Basketball Stadium. We appreciate his time. He's a player to watch. You reckon Luke Travers is good? Yes, he is. This kid is not far behind him right now. Andrew Ferguson, seven foot and still growing. This is Sporting Goss. 16 away from 12. Thanks for joining us on this stunning day. 23 degrees, heading for top of 25, 28 tomorrow. Thanks to B Solar, where you will never, and I mean never, have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Learn more about better solar energy by visiting B.Solar. We're talking US Open. We're talking one of the majors. We're talking with our man, Brett Phillips. BP, welcome to the show. Hello, Tim. Nice to uh, chat to you. What a what a first week we have seen. In fact, Brad Gilbert, uh, no one gives a better fist pump than uh, Brad Gilbert. He said today, and he's 40 years in tennis. Mm-hmm. He has not seen a better first week of a major, and it's hard to disagree, to be honest. There have been some incredible storylines. Okay, so what's been the biggest storyline for you? Well, I think three 18-year-olds have given us a taste of what the next decade to 15 years is going to look like. Carlos Alcaraz, the right-handed Rafael Nadal, wins another five-setter today after he defeated Pass on the weekend, the youngest man in the Open era to make a US Open quarterfinal. So this kid is box office. He's going to be top five in the world. There's no doubt about it. His physicality, the way he's built, the way he plays. Juan Carlos Ferreira, the former world number one in his corner, he had a chance, uh, Juan Carlos, about three years ago, Tim, to actually coach Simona Hallett because Darren Cale was taking a break. He was coming back to Australia to spend some time with his family. He suggested Juan Carlos to Simona. Juan Carlos said, gee, not a bad gig. Wouldn't mind it, but I'm just working with a young 15-year-old in Spain. <laughs> I reckon he's got a bit of talent, and I want to stick the course with him, and his name is Carlos Alcaraz, and 18 years of age. He is killing it. Uh, Layla Fernandez today uh, beats mm. Osaka on the weekend, follows up beating Angie Kerber today. Mm. The confidence of this young girl, lefty, going to be a star, 18 years of age, into the quarterfinals. And Emma Raducanu is the other one who made the fourth round of Wimbledon, who's backed it up here. She's through. And there's another story too, Tim. Mm-hmm. A qualifier. Now, you might remember back to the Australian Open earlier this year, there was Aslan Karatsev. He made a semi-final play Djokovic. He came from nowhere, ranking outside the top 100, huge calves, and he absolutely steamrolled his way through the draw. Well, we've got a Dutchman this time, Botik van der Schanschkop. A little bit of work on the surname, but he's coming. He's had an incredible tournament. He's beaten yes. little Diego Schwartzman today. Oh, little fella. Uh, 
you know, ripper match, and he's it's a life changer. He's gone from outside the top 100 to guaranteeing that he doesn't have to worry about the next tournament. He can put a bit of money in his pocket. His rankings yeah. up in the 60s now. Get into all the majors. Botik Vanda Shamskop. Yeah, I saw that result. Six one uh, in the fifth set of that one uh, beat the 11 seed Schwartzman. What about my man? The one at the start of the tournament, not with you, but I, I got asked uh, by just a. Joe Public Blake said, oh, who's going to win the US Open? I said, you're asking the wrong person. But I'll give you a name who I think can go a long way into the second week, and that is my man, Jorge Alassimi. Oh, Felix. Oh, I love Felix. I want to adopt him. I really do. I he's mean, a he cat, the most... Felix. <laughs> he, he's... <laughs> I think he's the most articulate young man in tennis. Yeah. I mean, he... I've just heard him on the ESPN interview. He did the on-court interview. He's beaten Francis Tiafo, the American who had a great tournament. Felix has got Tony Nadal in his coach's box. Now, you would never have thought Tony Nadal after Rafa would be coaching anyone else. Yeah. And you can already just see the little effects of, you know, getting Felix to play these big matches when it really counts. I first saw Felix when he was, I think he was 15 at the time, junior Wimbledon. He played Demon Orn in a semi-final, and he thought back then, Tim, this kid is going to be something special. So he's been on the radar for a little while. Felix Auger-Aliassime, and he's going to win a major at some point. They are doing something right, Canadian tennis, because they're producing a lot of good players. That they are. Now, I know our attention is on the singles, and I get all that, but our attention from Western Australia is on the various yes. forms of doubles. Because yeah. our girl, Storm Sanders, knocking off mm-hmm. Bethany Mattick-Sands and her partner in the round three yep. of the doubles. Further than that, Johnny Pierce got through with his man, Polasek, yep. in the doubles, beating Ehrlich and Harris. And I'm also led to believe that Matty Ebden's still alive in the doubles through to the next round. He certainly is. Ebden and Purcell, uh, they're proving to be a very good combination. I mean, Max is coming along beautifully. Ebden with all his experience. Uh, they are through six four six four today. Storm Sanders having a very good year. I mean, made the semis of Wimbledon doubles. She's backed it up here to get through to the quarters of the U.S. Open. So uh, every chance her and Caroline Dollarhide, her American uh, partner, and yeah, Peasy, we love his work. Um, a Victorian who's sort of made your neck of the woods home. He's got such strong family roots here in Melbourne at Kuyong Lawn Tennis Club in particular. If you walk into Bistro any time, you'll find a member of the Piers family uh, just having a nice a la carte lunch. <laughs> and uh, he's playing with um, Philip Polishek. Uh, both have got one thing in common. They've both won the Australian Open as their only major. So they've only come together, Piersy and Polishek, the last few weeks. He's had a lot of partners this year, John Piers, for a man that's normally had a steady uh, doubles partner, uh, but their experience uh, got them through today. So yeah, hopefully a bit of double success in the second week. All righty, BP, we are into the second week. Give us, uh, which we always like to do when I talk tennis with you, because you are, well, mind you, you did put the uh, kibosh on poor old Georgie, Camilla Gorgie. She didn't get past the first round. Uh, you thought she might be the bit of the underdog. Who was who were your underdogs at the start? Her, she went no good. What about the fella? Who was which bloke? Did you go with in the male? I can't remember. It's a long time. <laughs> clearly, long clearly, time clearly they're still not in it. Uh, who who wins it from here on both sides in women's and men's? Well, look, come on, mate. I mean, you know, the obvious thing to say is. Djokovic, but I, I just feel Medvedev is ready to win a slam. I really do. I, he, he will get through to the final on his side. If Zverev can upset Djokovic, then that opens it right up. But I'm going to say I'm going to say Medvedev in the second week. I, there's a little stinger on that. You know, if Djokovic has a little slip up, but he could. He could. I mean, this tournament, uh, we've seen the favourites uh, fall over more often than not 
uh, the women's side, this is the toughest question to ask Tim because everyone that's left mm. could win it. That's yeah. how tight it is. Yeah. I reckon Carolina Pushkova is ready to step up. Okay. She has served nearly 45 aces in her last wow. two matches. She's never won a slam. She's been world number one. She hasn't got a regular coach here either. He couldn't get a visa in. Sasha. So I think it might be time for Carolina, as long as they don't move her around too much. If she's got it in the hitting zone, off the ground, serving, she'll be hard to stop if um, if she's got the belief. I like talking tennis with you. You know why? Because you dumb it down for people like me. You keep it simple. Mm. You give us the connection and uh, you, you just know your stuff. You are the main man when it comes to the Dunlop volleys, and I appreciate you. Yeah, but I learned a lot from you, Tim. Who was that great interview you did at the Hotman Cup with a few years ago on the couch? <laughs> um, it was um, Tanasi Kokonagas. Yeah, was that the I, I, picked up, I picked up a lot out of that, yeah. <laughs> what, did you, what did you pick up, VP? But his nickname I was? Your knowledge. No, you just, it was an intimate, intimate fireside chat that uh, I got yeah. a lot out of. I, Thank I, you. Like, these days. Anyway. I, I interviewed uh, I interviewed Venus Williams there up there as well. She was gorgeous, telling about her fashion range as well, because that's where Kokonakis came from. Because Kokonakis came came yeah, off the bench right. to fill in for Big Johnny Isner, who pulled out injured. Correct. Oh, no. Correct. Anyway. Uh, thank you're, you. You're doing a good job to get a lot out of Venus because you don't get a lot out of Venus these days at her presses. No. Let me tell you, she's done a lot of them. Done twenty three thousand press conferences. <laughs> Uh, hey, good chat. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Tim. Cheers, mate. AP, thanks to B Solar Talking Things Tennis, where you will never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Learn more about better solar energy by visiting B.Solar. This is Sporting Goss. I think it's probably well known within a, a few circles that Lockie and Jules have been keen to, to look at her option to come back home at some mm. stage mm. Um, for it to be now and and with the situation of, that they've got with their pending little bub coming uh it's a, it's a good news morning for Freo docker supporters um look a lot needs to happen there but uh yeah it's a, it's a good sign that uh, they want to come home that was matthew pavlich on gillian goss this morning with his regular spot after seven o'clock he'll be on the show on monday from seven as well just a reminder also that of course, uh, you'll hear more on Drive this afternoon with Peter Vlahos about that story, I'm sure. And keep an ear and an eye out on SEN. To come today, the Western Bulldogs, we hope, will give you an injury update in regards to the wellness of Marcus Bontempelli, the skipper and his knee injury, and also that of Cody Waitman, who's a key player going forward as well. Brandon Parfitt won't be playing, of course. He's done his uh, hammy. He'll be missing for Geelong. We'll hear more on that. And we are waiting to get a statement from the Brisbane Lions. I don't think there's going to be anything grand in that statement, but we have been reliably informed by Sammy Edmund from SEN, our chief football reporter, that the CEO, the coach, and the head of football are all planning to meet with Lockie Neal. That's going to be a very, very – you'd like to be a fly on the wall in that little meeting. But Ryan Daniels, who joined us off the top of the show, says, take it to the bank that he, Lockie Neal, will be playing with Fremantle next year. Interesting to see how that all plays out. 22.6 degrees, heading for a top of 25 today. So we're almost there. Beautiful sunny skies, of course. Blue skies and sun out. And tomorrow, 28 degrees. 28? Can I pre-record the show? Can I come in early? 
and do the show early, yeah, and we can all get out and enjoy the sunshine. I'm going to get the rig out, I reckon. I'm going to get the rig out. Get the dad bod out there. <laughs> Bit of rain develop, developing Wednesday. Stay with us. We're going to have everything covered when it comes to the footy finals. Of course, it is preliminary final action this week. Tyson Beattie joins us with all things American sport. Dan Ryan, the new coach of the West Coast Fever. We broke them down, didn't we? He's coming up on the show as well. And Will Powell from the Gold Coast Suns. He finished second behind Took Miller, All-Australian in the Gold Coast uh, fairest and best of club champion. He's a good boy from WA is Will Powell. Thanks, Alex. Nice work by you. Thank you to Special K and thank you for listening to our show. We'll do it again tomorrow from 10. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why Tyre Power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.